Kia ora te and welcome to episode 65 of the Butters Podcast. This is my very special kōrero with Jace Tipatu. This conversation takes place on the 4th of November, which is Gumboot Friday. And for those of you interested in supporting the cause, you can jump onto gumbootfriday.org.nz. This conversation and this podcast is made possible thanks to the generous support of my patrons. And if you too would like to support this podcast as a patron, you can do so by jumping onto patreon.com forward slash butters. But for now, thank you again for tuning in to episode 65 of the Butters podcast, my kōrero with Jace Tepatu. Enjoy. Corporate spaces and thank you. And also the Health Foundation put out a uh, Ministry of Health put out a report before COVID hit that more and more people are suffering from burnouts. More and more people are suffering from stress disorder, which is a disorder that comes from you know high levels of stress that can be brought on by workloads, by the pressures of society, uh, so many factors and that was before COVID <laughs> in 2020. So I'd be really interested to know what the wellbeing report says now. Yeah, Hope. two years later. Yeah, yeah. Well, do, do you think it would be any different though? or do you? 100%. Yeah, I, I just spoke to, so my work as you know is in the education space, I just spoke to two principals this morning, almost crying out to me in desperation to have our program M3 in their schools because their words, the kids are hoha. And so because of that, especially after COVID coming out of lockdown and some of them aren't even back at school and when they do come back to school because it's such a different environment to the environment of being at home right <clears throat> they're finding it hard to adjust back to the classroom situation and so because of that teachers have to deal with more behavioral behavioral issues in the classroom teachers have to deal with that so a teacher is not now teaching you know literacy or numeracy in the classroom setting they're holding space for kids who are losing their shit more often than not if they are at school in the first place yeah. do you know so yeah absolutely since covid because a lot because a lot of the kids too would have been at home for months months yeah, yeah. i think about my nephew at the moment his father passed away uh, about six weeks ago he wasn't going to school anyway post COVID, and now he's since dad passed he's not back at school at all right. i've been in touch with his principal and his teachers from that school i did a pld there in Porirua, and they're really concerned for him was they're like what i know about mental health and lifting one's mental health is that that social interaction that one has you know he's not seeing his friends because he's not at school He's at home isolating himself, dealing with the mamai and the stresses of losing his father. So he doesn't have those feel-good hormones rushing through him on a daily basis because he's not surrounded by his friends, do you see? So it's only going to get worse for him. And I check in on him 
personally, myself. Really? Yeah. On social media, I'm like, how are you, my boy? Out of 10, give me a score of how you're feeling today. And oftentimes it's a 5 or a 6, which is only just. Yeah. 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 I, I call it surviving, right. or sometimes barely. So, yeah, I have a real passion for helping people with the tools that I've used myself with my own mental health challenges to be able to navigate their way through big emotions like my nephew's going through at the moment with his grief so that he can move through that, those big emotions, regulate himself and move through it a little bit more easily and not go from just surviving but to thriving, getting back to school, being around his mates again, yeah. mm, being more passionate about learning and being in a school environment again. You know? do, do you, out of curiosity, know any percentage of how many kids may not, may have struggled to transition back to school after a long period of time? Like, are there any stats on that? Or? One principal that I spoke to uh, at a kahui ako, I, I, I do a lot of PLDs with teachers, especially with mindfulness practices that they can use for themselves but also in the classroom setting. Also for both teachers themselves and wow, that's yeah. awesome. And our, our program is holistic in that we work not just with the teachers and the students but also the whanau. So that it's a wraparound program for a whole school community essentially. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll explain a little bit more about that. but. But statistics-wise, for this, I'm talking about this area, Maniapoto and Waikato, 30% of their students, right across the board, early childhood right through to secondary school, right? 30% of the students haven't come back. So are we talking about since the 2020 COVID? Yes, since lockdown. Wow. Yeah. Or there's a, uh, or they're there and then they leave and then they, it's just sporadic. It's a big number, eh? And that's a long time. That's a long time. So then you have kids who are, you know, at home or doing whatever they do, but they're not in the education system, which is sad for me. Wait, so are, are they zooming in to school lessons or are they... Some of them just not fell off wow. the radar. Really? Yeah. Sad. Yeah, sad. And that to me is really, uh, well there's many drivers, but that to me is one thing that I hope to, through our program being in a school setting, is that uh, something that we can combat, especially going into the new year. Teachers and principals are hoping that with the new year it's a fresh start and, you know, touch wood. The circumstances of COVID here in Aotearoa anyway have settled a bit and it'll give kids the reassurance that they'll be okay at school and so they'll come back in the new year and kind of start fresh again that's the hope anyway whether it happens or not I don't know. but that's a long time like the the fresh start idea makes sense but once you've formed a habit for that amount of time too it's hard to break and it can be easy to go into your shell oh man that's a oh, that's a long time Alarming. So, what? Why do you give a fuck about this? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you talked about your own mental challenges and that you've learned this. Is that is that what it is? Have you been through something like this and you're like, I learned strategies, or I went to a dark place, I learned strategies, and 
I know it's prolific and I want everyone to know what I learned. Is, is, is that what it is or? You answered your own question. Right. <laughs> I. Well, what did you go through? Yeah, 20 years ago, uh, a bit of backstory. I've done many things in my life and one of the hats that I used to wear for a career was I was a professional dancer. So, so well, I've been in the well-being industry for 31 years. Started when I was five. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> uh, but mm, the first part of my life, from even at school, I was very athletic and very sporty, and so my whole mm, life was revolved around using my body. And, and yoga as well, and all that. Yeah, so that's how I found yoga. Actually, is so. Uh, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, I was in South Africa dancing in a show and I've always been an A-type personality. I've always, not now, but certainly in the early years of my life because of circumstances. If this was a half a day interview, I could fill in the backstory. But We can make it half a day. <laughs> but I, uh, I was driven by the sense that I never ever felt worthy or I never ever felt like I was enough or I never ever felt like I was adequate. So oftentimes I find myself in situations where I was the only Māori as an example and so I felt I had to prove my worth. One of the gifts I got from that sense or that belief or that limiting belief of I'm not worthy was proving my worth and so I became really good at lots of things. I work really hard, that's another gift that I got from that limiting belief. And so yeah, A-type personality. 20 years ago, 21 years ago, I made it, I'm in a show in South Africa and I'm burnt out. So much so that I'm going to the doctor, my company manager said, you need to go to the doctor, you look at you. <laughs> and I remember that time because I had a cold sore, I had a sty on one eye, I was deaf in one ear. I mean, how many freaking signs do you need from the universe that you run down, right? But no, keep going. And I remember going to the doctor and saying, man, I just need something to get me through this week because I've got like four days left of this contract and then I'm, I've got a rest and then I'm going on to do the Lion King in Australia as one of the dancers. Get me through this, give me a pill, tell me what I can do that's a real quick fix kind of thing. I remember, you know, in Africa, not from there, he just was like, I don't know what to tell you, but you just need to go home and sleep and rest because your body is giving you all of the, yeah, the yeah, signs. Yeah. I was like, nah. I went to work that night, sure enough, it's like universe went, well, you're not listening. So, whoosh, I ripped my Achilles. And back in those days, it wasn't a moon boot, it was, you're in a cast, one of those hardcore, you know, casts for three months. For three months? You can't move. I was on crutches, it was right up to my knee, and I was plunged into the depths of depression because I was the stark reality of, well, if I can't dance, because then there was, the doctor said to me, oh, you won't be able to dance for another 12, maybe 18 months. Which to me was like an athlete, you know, being told you can't ever play sports again. So that depression really hit hard because it, 
because you would have had associated your worth or value with dance. And dance, and I can't use my body, well, who am I? Yeah. And I'd never been, that's a hard question to face when your whole essence, if you will, is based around how you, around your body. I call it a blessing. Equal parts blessing and equal parts lesson, you know. And also it was a pivot point in my life because ripping my Achilles was the biggest blessing. I found yoga. So to answer your question about why do you give a fuck is I was in the deepest, darkest hole back then, like twice suicidal, thinking, oh fuck, I if I can't dance or I'm, I can't use my body, then who am I and what good am I to the world? Wow. Uh, and then, then once the cast was off, I... Actually, six weeks into the 12 weeks of me being in the cast, someone gave me a book that still is my favourite to this day and that I recommend to people, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And I was like, oh my god, this is a, um, this is a, maybe it wasn't then, it was another book that kind of set me into the series, basically in this series of, uh, over the um, next 12 months I read 20 self-help books. So I was kind of in that world of really getting to know myself and deepen my self-awareness. Which I guess would be part of the blessing of having time. 100%. Yeah, I was like, what? Well, I'm forced on you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it was a real deep healing for me. Once the cast was off, I, my physio said to me, I think you should do yoga. You know, you can still be physical, it's low impact. <laughs> and, and you're using your body? Yeah, you're yeah. using your body, and it'll rehab your Achilles, your calf muscles, strengthen your heel again. So I did, and I went to, this was cracks me up, I went to Les Mills because um, I used to instruct at Les Mills so I had a membership there, went to Les Mills and I did my first yoga class. Like anything else in my life up until that point I treated it like it was something to win, like it was an athletic endeavour and so I was next to this beautiful lady, I can picture her in my mind, she had a bob, she had um, a leotard on, I, I reckon she was a dancer in her past life like really ethereal looking, you know, didn't give a shit about anyone else in the class. I'm like standing next to her with my attitude going, oh, okay, bring it on, sis. She's just really gracefully moving through her practice, not even paying attention to me, and I'm old mates next to her go, you know, trying to smash it out, smash out yoga. And the teacher at the time is now a friend of mine, Mandy White, who owns um, Mandy White Studio up in Ponsby in Auckland, walked past me talking to the class, but to me, puts her hand on my shoulder as she walks past me and said, and sometimes you just don't need to try so hard. Really? Wow. And that brought me to my knees. It was like a, a real pivotal moment in my life. It was, it signified that whole sense of my life, really. Like, you don't, just don't need to try so hard at life, Jace. And it must have been so obvious to her, too, to see it. In a yoga class yeah. where it's so inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> 
You can't win a yoga class, can no, you? No, this is like, like one of my favorite uh, sayings from one of my teachers in Sydney when I started really getting into yoga was, I'm not going to stand at the door and give you a gold medal for winning because you've got the deepest posture or you've got your leg behind your head. It's not even about that. Yoga is this journey, the scriptures of Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the books that many yogis follow, says yoga is a journey of the self, through the self, through that egotistical A-type personality striving to yourself, where you're much more comfortable in your skin. And in this modern day society we live in, physical yoga is just a vehicle to of that journey for you to find yourself really so yeah back to that first yoga class it really brought me to my literally I was on child's pose for the rest of the class going gosh what am I up, up to what has my whole life been about and it sent me on this journey of like I said just reading reading and soaking up and consuming all the knowledge from these self-help books again an A-type personality trait eh? but for the good I feel and then I and then I embarked on this journey of yoga and meditation and mindfulness. I'll fast forward the story till now to get answer your question. So I saw how yoga and meditation and mindfulness helped me. Breath practices helped me. Quietening my mind helped me. And then I did my yoga tra teacher training 12 years ago and delved into that world. Fast forwarding, came back to New Zealand seven years ago, opened up a yoga studio called Afi, and since have helped thousands upon thousands of people, students in my yoga studio, uh, and shared the tools that helped me get through some tough times in my life. And, and I've seen how it's transformed people's lives, I've seen how it's supported people with many big, 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 big things like grief, losing loved ones, big emotions, anxiety, depression, all of that. So I've become a really big advocate for mental health well-being and we're sitting here, bro, on the day of Gumboot Friday, you know, where there's a real awareness of Mike King's movement, you know, Gumboot Friday, and I am hope uh, for mental health services for Rangatahi right throughout Aotearoa. So I think that's a tohu that today yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah, speaking true. about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've become a real big advocate for mental health and well-being. And so my program M3 Mindfulness has been in schools because I thought it's been a journey of getting to this place that if I had these tools that I learned 21 years ago, yeah. younger, yeah. when I was at school, yeah. Things no, would be very different. My life would have been less suffering. I've been more self-aware. I, I, I certainly don't regret any of the yeah. hardship that I've gone through, because you know it's given me many, many, many gifts in the learning and also these tools to be able to now share on. But my hope is that this new generation of Tamariki Mokapuna young babas, kids, and youth have tools through our program that can better arm them when big emotions come, you know? So, I, can I ask a question? Because I've only known about you recently, but you are who you are because of the pain and suffering you've been through. So, strategies and tools and things that you've learned 
you had to, from my perspective, go through the pain and suffering in order to become stronger and to become the person you are. Today. Today. So is that what you're teaching through M3 Mindfulness? Are you teaching people how to navigate through the pain as opposed to if something pops up, here's a strategy to get rid of it. Is, is, is that what it is? Great question. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I don't want people... Well, here's the thing. If I could start with the, the definition of mindfulness. I want to dispel this whole rumor that mindfulness is a, like a, you know, sitting there with a mudra and going on and burning some incense and dinging some bells. Mindfulness, the definition actually means or says paying attention to what's going on right now in this moment, like really being present to it and not judging. And so what that means is that here's, okay, here might be anger, or here's sadness, or here's anxiety. A lot of us want to do what you just said, want to get rid of it quickly, eh? well, get, get rid of this yuck feeling. But through mindfulness, what I love about it is that you learn to be with it. You learn to be with this big emotion and like you said, navigate your way through it. Kapai, so that you can be with, so when next time anxiety, comes I have a strategy that can allow me to be here with it be comfortable in it yeah, be yeah. comfortable in the uncomfortability yeah, is the best yeah, way to describe it so yeah. it's not getting rid of it yeah. by any means in fact that's that's avoiding or suppressing a thing that is very real within us so for my for my nephew who we started off the corridor speaking about my tool for him has been naming just naming what he's feeling in the moment Here's grief today. Oh, good boy. Well, where do you feel that? I feel it in my puku, uncle. I feel really tight in my puku. And I, okay. And then what is? How does that? How does that make you feel? Can you go any further with that? Well, I feel really uncomfortable, and I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to have that feeling in my puku. Okay. Well, so what about if I we breathe together? Let's breathe. One of many tools that I use. And so we do breath, Tahirua Toriha is Yeah, I remember that on, yeah, I remember that on your social media. I saw that when you're in the car and you're like, Tahirua Toru. Yeah, you it got it. So simple but so powerful. You got it. And and it, and it, and it doesn't need to be hard. And you know, when I'm teaching kids or he's, you know, thirteen, going on thirty. <laughs> It's a tool that needs to be accessible and simple and breath is something that I always come back to because it's not an app, mm. it's not a something you've got to run away and get so that you can you know, Very deal with true. it, it's with you all the time and that's the practice of mindfulness is oh, oh, when I'm present I remember I've got it, it's here, it's with me right now, okay nice and it, it might not take long, it might take like a minute less than that for you to switch from being like we want to smash someone or in his case from being really really sad and feeling his piku up and tied up in knots to when we do the breath with him I, it'll take like five breaths of tahiru toruha and i'm like how are you feeling now i'm feeling better i'm feeling better i'm feeling better cool do you reckon you can do this by yourself boy Yes, uncle, I can do it. He texts me on social media and goes, Oh, I used Tahirua Toruha today and I felt better. I'm like, that's a win for me. That makes me... Yeah, uh, yeah it, it makes me emotional to know that that something so simple can have such a, a huge impact, you know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. This is all important. 
Yeah, it's really important for me to keep filling up my wellbeing cup because it means that I can keep being of service. Now, I understand that your question before uh, was about do you feel the weight of the responsibility? Well, yeah, I do. But I also see that out there there's few men doing this type of mahi. And, I'm, and since I've been doing M3, it was just, just me when I first started. I used to just go around from school to school to school, just me. I did 80 schools by myself right throughout Aotearoa. Wow. <laughs> and then someone said, what, why, don't, why do you have to do it? Why don't you get a team, you know? So now I've got 12 trainers, facilitators, helping me spread the love. Uh, and I'm saying no a lot to things and I make sure that if I I call it lots of energy output if there's a big event or if I know that I'm I've got a, a full day of maybe back-to-back -back meetings that I block out maybe the rest of the afternoon so that I'm filling my cup back up and resting example the other day is I visited three schools in Tamaki Makoto when I was there and the first one was Kingsley School, which is a correction facility, basically a prison for rangatahi boys. First time that M3 is thinking about going into that kind of establishment. And I wanted to do my due diligence and make sure that my facilitator in Auckland is going to feel safe going in there. Because these are kids who have done some pretty, you know, full-on things. And to be honest, bro, I went in there with these, this reservation of, oh, I don't know if this place is going to be safe enough, etc., etc. But when I met the kayako, the teachers, and the tumuaki, the principal, I was like, what am I, even am I worried about? These people have such big hearts for this work. These kids who are in there are a victim of their circumstances from lower decile areas, some of them from gang families, so it's, I don't want to say, they've ended up there because of their background, let's just yeah. say it that way. Inherently they're amazing kids, and I met some the other day, and let's put it this way, you could just see that all that they really, really needed in their life was for someone to see them, and to hear them, hear their story, listen to them, understand them without judging them. And that's been a real practice of mine, is going into spaces like that one, and uh, with an open heart and open mind, and not closing off like I did, you know, going, oh, it's not going to be safe, because that was just, was my, that idealization that those whakara was just blown wide open when I went in there, I saw that I just saw their potential and I just saw that they were young kids that had not healed from their mamai from when they were young you know in and out of the um, oranga tamariki which is problematic in and of itself so it was an utter yes for me to have our program in that space uh, and I and I can't wait to work with those rangatahi there. That was a big day. Then I went and had a, met the board of uh, Sport Waitakere to deliver into nearly 40 schools there next year as well. Uh, and then another hui with another school. So you know, big lot of output, lot of front-facing 
energy yeah. from me for a co-papa that I'm so pa passionate about. So I, the afternoon was me time. It was yeah. like, don't book any more to my operations manager, Dana. Don't book any more, Hui. I need to fill my cup back up. So I went and did a dance class. I was going to ask, what do you do to fill up your cup? Yeah, choice. So many things, man. It depends on the day. Like, it's, I just have... I'm all about... Heard of, have you heard of Te Whare Tapafa? Yeah. Yeah, so Te Whare Tapafa is... I'm a real advocate for, for it because it's so simple. Something for your body, something for your mind, something for your spirit, and something that connects you to others, hey? It's a holistic framework, you know, through a Dao Māori perspective that Ta Mason Jury created for us to essentially fill up our wellbeing cup. And so I make sure that I do something from that, of that vein, that can instantly fill my cup up. So to answer your question, it can be anything. It can be a boxing class. Sometimes I just want to smash some shit, <laughs> which is very un-yogic, very unmindful. Well, people would think it's not very mindful, but if you've ever done boxing, you have to be super. So focused and in the moment, yeah. Anna, and so that to me is actually, in reflection, one of the most uh, amazing mindfulness practices, wow. to be honest. And by the way, mindfulness is not just sitting still and uh, closing your eyes and trying to meditate, because for some people, especially especially these kids that I'm going to work with in Kingsley School, the prison for Rangatahi, sitting still and closing their eyes can actually be really traumatic for them. Telling them to close their eyes and not think can be triggering. So we've had to develop mindfulness tools like art, artwork, for example, is, is a really beautiful mindfulness tool. I have this exercise for rangatahi or youth especially, because youth, they have really, you know, hormones going and yeah, yeah, yeah. really fast thinking minds. So uh, one is playing a piece of music, right? A piece of music and getting them to listen to an instrument within the song and count how many times they hear that instrument. Does that wow, make sense? Right, yeah. So it might be, let's say it's a trumpet. And I'll go, here's, this is what a trumpet sounds like. When I play a piece of music, it's three minutes long. Can you concentrate for that long? And can you listen to, and it's really choice because they get to lay down. They love that. They get to listen to some choice music, you know, and make sure it's from Fat Freddy's or something that's current, Rob Ruha or someone like that. And, and yeah, that in and of itself is a mindfulness activity. So, yeah, they're kind of forced to focus and be present. And you got it. Wow. Because anxiety and depression are the opposite ends of the, well, ends of the scale to, oh, really? to being present right now, here oh, in the right, moment. Yeah, yeah. So anxiety is forecasting, based on forecasting into the future. Worried about, oh, what might happen, you know, 10 minutes time or this tomorrow or... My, my mother is a perfect example of that. She was like, oh, I'm worried for you, boy, getting on a plane in a windy Wellington taking off. And I'm, I'm worried about your whānau not turning up on Christmas Day and blah, blah, blah. Like, worry, worry, worry. Future worry. Future yeah. worry. Depression is based on the past and focusing on what should have, could have, would have happened back then. And a lot of people who suffer from PTSD, it's from their mummy from what happened back then. Papai, post-traumatic syndrome disorder. 
really fixated with what happened back then. And so mindfulness is beautiful to me because it means all we're focusing on with using mindfulness tools, practices, blah, 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 is what's going on right now. What's happening right now. The more energy you focus on in the future can turn to anxiety. We maybe, like you said at the beginning of our corridor, you're going to need medication for it. Or if you're fixated on the past, can turn to depression again, which you can going to need uh, medicine for. One of the most alarming statistics for me, which is another one of my many whys for doing you through mindfulness in schools, is that since the year 2006 in Aotearoa, the use of depression medicine and anxiety medicine for children has increased by 88 to 0 percent. Wow. It means that our kids need medicine to deal with focusing on the past or the present. Right. Which means they need medicine to function on a daily basis if oh. they're dealing. Right. Wow. So then therefore it's really hard for them to be present. Which is why I'm about, well let's teach mindfulness practices that allow our kids to get into the moment. So they're not hanging out in the past and they're not hanging out in the future, they're here right now. And so many Tumuaki and Pawako principals and teachers say to me, our kids cannot learn a thing if they're not present. So why aren't we teaching mindfulness or teaching tools in school? Why is a mindfulness a, a, a subject if, if that's the case? If for, for kids to learn, they have to be present, but they're not. So yeah, that's my, I suppose, tino uh, whainga, that's my driver, is, is helping our kids, yes, to navigate their way through big emotions, but also just to be present. Why? So they can learn. Yeah. Interesting, eh? Yeah.